Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany, and we hear from the Reverend Michael Lemaire as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. to Peter's house. And if I was going to describe it to you like a realtor, I would say it was cozy or charming. You know, it's a a no bedroom, no bath, no roof, first century Galilean fixer-upper, famous owner. When Joseph and I were in the Holy Land two years ago, we got a chance to go to Capernaum. Um, And it's such a strange experience to go to a place that has lived in your imagination since you were a child. It's kind of like going to Middle Earth. You know, Capernaum, Gondor, Golgotha, Mordor. They sort of, they are, they are alive in your imagination, but when you're actually there, it's just, it's unreal. It's, it's first off, it's so much smaller than you imagine. I mean, Capernaum itself is remarkably well-preserved, considering that it's a small town of relative insignificant except for what happened there when in the time of Jesus. There is, in total, um, I would say the footprint of Capernaum is about the size of all souls, the land that all souls is on, plus, you know, um, Jordan Court. So we're not talking about this huge town at all. And the synagogue is the most significant building in town, and it still has the, the towers, the, the pillars, a lot of the walls. Um, and it's sort of on one side if we're looking at the town. And so when they're leaving the synagogue, they're walking like from the narthex to the, to the sacristy to get to Peter's house. So it's not very far. And the outline of all the rest of the town is it's all in black basalt stones that are sort of set out. And so you can kind of see the warren of how people lived. And then there's Peter's house, which is kind of, it's kind of like the velveteen rabbit effect, which has been loved to pieces, okay? It's It's what you actually see now is the ruins of a sort of fourth century Byzantine church. Um, On top of which is a giant glass sort of alien spaceship looking Franciscan church that's on stilts. And it has a glass floor so you can look down onto the site of Peter's house. 
it's so it's a little that's a little surreal in itself but the sea of galilee is right there and and it's interesting to to know like this jesus was in that synagogue there teaching with authority last week casting out demons and and this is where peter and his brother grew up and the calling is over there and so it's it's very specific and particular and we know a lot about this morning's uh miracle because it happens at a very specific time it's it's after the sabbath uh, service and they're going to peter's house and it's witnessed by four people and it's peter's mother-in-law who is healed so it's very interesting to see how how particular and specific this morning's gospel is and how much we can actually know about the events and then you can go and actually stand there but what i was drawn to more than anything were the silences in this morning's text where i really want to know a little more let's start with the fact that peter has a wife okay i mean surprise I mean, she actually does get one other reference in, um, from Paul in 1 Corinthians about 10 verses before what we read this morning, where Paul is rhetorically talking about the fact that shouldn't he be allowed a wife just like Cephas? So we know Peter has a wife because he has a mother-in-law. <laughs> and in, in typical fashion, I mean, talk about short shrift, right? Peter's mother-in-law doesn't have a name. Peter's wife, no name. And we know nothing about her experience. Wouldn't you love to be reading the gospel according to Peter's wife? <laughs> you know, the day he comes home and says, I'm going to be a fisher of people. You know, little tension. Little tension. You know, I'm wondering if like, you know, Casting out the fever of, of the mother-in-law kind of smoothed things over. <laughs> but you, you just want to know more about, like, what was her perception? What was it like to be with him? All the things that they go through together. But we just get silence. I also want to know more about Jesus slipping away in the night. I mean, this whole text... Um, that we've been reading this last few weeks is the first chapter of Mark and he gets right into things and we're getting kind of like the day in the life of the ministry of Jesus at the beginning because we have him teaching with authority uh, there's an exorcism there's the curing and then we get this sort of montage of like curing and everybody coming like if it was a movie there'd be a little music and there'd be all these people being healed and then we'd kind of cut to Jesus out in the dark quiet right and I'm wondering how he thinks it's going. There's something about getting up in the night and going off to pray in the quiet that makes you wonder if it's going the way he hoped. If this is panning out, is he surprised by the reaction? Is there greater need than he ever imagined? Is he feeling overwhelmed? We don't really know, but we know he goes off into the quiet to recenter. 
that there's clearly something about this time in Capernaum that is causing him to do some soul searching and to go to prayer. And I'd like to know more about that. A lot of times you think of Jesus as sort of coming with the whole program already set. And yet, there's a lot of moments in Mark that make you think that, like, it's an evolving consciousness. Like, we're kind of making this up as we go along. And I guess I'd just like to know more about the mindset of Jesus at the beginning. And what he's praying about. And the other silence I'm interested in is the disciples. Right? I feel like we have the first rumblings of some misunderstanding going on here. You know, they go out and they find Jesus. And in the text it says, everyone's looking for you. But I hear, where the hell have you been? <laughs> We've been looking all over. There's a line of people back there waiting for cure. Because I think that they're feeling pretty good about the way this ministry is going, right? Local boys made good. They're following this guy who comes to town and he's healing people and casting out demons. And, you know, they're kind of on the inside track. And yet it seems already clear that there's some misunderstanding. Like they don't exactly get what Jesus is about because his, his response to them is that it's time to move on and to preach in other towns because that's what he's come to do. I think that's a surprise. I think that's not what they expected. So I'm a little curious about how they think it's going and how ready they are to leave home and to start down the coast of the Sea of Galilee to preach to other towns. Now this morning's gospel doesn't really lend itself to a boiled down little, you know, ethical teaching that we can carry out. This day in the life kind of mirrors our day in the life. I was thinking a little bit about David Stone. He um, used to be a, uh, one of the associate priests here. And uh, he was telling me, he says, you know, all sermons are ultimately, let's all try harder to do gooder. But this morning's text doesn't really lend itself to that. And so when I think about what a takeaway is, I, I really relate to the busyness and the action of this particular text and all the things that are happening and the moving on. And I think where I find myself landing is in the soul searching of Jesus and that question of like getting in touch with what I've come to do. Because all of us, are also on our way. You're all here this morning because at some point in your life you've heard the call and you've responded and you want to be fed in word and at the table so that you can continue on in this journey. And I think there are times in this journey where we need to check in and try to remember what our purpose is. What are we really about? Because if anything, we live in an age of distraction. I mean, we are endlessly distracted and distracted from our distractions. So much so that I think this lesson of finding some quiet for yourself 
and retouching in to make sure that what you've come to do, you're about. And I think that's what we can carry forth, is that we just need to remind ourselves again to check in with our purpose and our call. Are you spending your life, are you spending your time doing what really matters? Because I think that's, that's what Jesus has to do, to refocus and make sure that the message and my purpose are aligned with my action. And so I would just call on you to take some time today, this week, to just make sure that what you want to be about and who you really feel called to do, that you're giving your time and attention to. So that you're living the life you're called to do.